Coming up this evening on NTD Business. Energy prices swinging wildly, but all ending up again for the day. One major economy says it just can't afford not to buy energy from Russia. Gas prices not seen since the 2008 financial crisis. Could we hit $5 a gallon? A number of major American credit card companies are pulling out of Russia. Will Russian citizens or Vladimir Putin feel the pain? That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Paul Graney here live from New York City. Despite the ongoing Ukraine invasion, sweeping Western sanctions, and a wide variety of companies pulling out of Russia, Germany, Europe's largest economy, says it can't stop buying Russian energy. The German leader who recently replaced former Chancellor Angela Merkel says Germany is too dependent on Russian fuel for power, heating, and industrial production. Here in the United States, lawmakers have just struck a bipartisan deal to ban imports of Russian energy. The idea is to punish Russia for its aggression towards Ukraine and ensure the U.S. is not financing its war. The U.S. only gets a fraction of its energy from Russia, but Europe gets far more. Forty percent of its natural gas came from Russia last year. So what can Europe do? It wants to diversify its energy source and support Ukraine. That's what the Ukrainians want, too, saying stop buying Russian gas and oil because right now Russian oil smells of Ukrainian blood. But finding new sources takes time and costs money. And right now, energy prices are already through the roof in Europe. Bloomberg reports European gas prices swung wildly today. Dutch gas was up 80% at one point, 80% in one day. UK gas, 74%, and German gas, 60%. All prices fell by the end of the day, but wild swings like this can cause major problems in financial markets, even if the prices do come back down again. On the oil side, global oil prices continued to climb. Brent crude is up 4% to $123 a barrel. The American benchmark, a barrel of WTI, now at just under $119, was only $65 a year ago. So, sorry to tell you, but that's bad news for what you're paying at the pump. And the say quarter has the details. This is a chart of the U.S. national average gas price over the past three months, and this is when Russia launched military operations in Ukraine. California's average is at $5.34 per gallon, and even Texas is at $3.73. Gas hasn't been this expensive since the 2008 financial crisis. I never thought I'd say this before, but I really do think we can see $5 gasoline. Denton Senquagrana is the chief oil analyst at the Oil Price Information Service. He estimates we could see those prices in the second quarter. That's that's when you see your tremendous or the, your typical, you know, kind of uptick in prices when you transition from winter grade gasoline to, to, to summer grade gasoline, which is a little bit more difficult and a little bit more expensive to make. The Russia-Ukraine conflict is one reason this is happening. Even though Western sanctions haven't touched Russian oil, markets are self-sanctioning. JP Morgan estimates Russia is struggling to sell 66% of its oil, and low supply means higher prices. We're not producing what we should be producing, which is uh, 14 million barrels a day, and even more. We were producing about 13.8 million barrels a day before COVID changed the world, uh, but we were on track to produce 15 and 16 million barrels a day. Uh, that should be our metric 
we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to the middle of the lockdowns, pandemic, COVID hysteria. Daniel Turner is the founder of Power the Future. Turner says the Biden administration has made it difficult to bring oil to the market by not letting companies drill. This is an administration that is actively buying oil from Russia and is considering buying oil from Venezuela and Iran, but does not want to produce more American energy here at home. It's absolutely insanity. Denton Senquagrana, the chief oil analyst at the Oil Price Information Service, says production is going up, but that it takes a long time. Faye Quarter, NTD News. It's not just energy. Another basic essential is also getting more expensive, food. Today, the price of wheat traded in Chicago hit a 14-year high. In fact, it's up more than 40% in the last week alone. It's the biggest weekly rise in record. Corn and soybeans also rose. Did you know Russia and Ukraine account for almost a third of global wheat exports, nearly a fifth of corn shipments, and 80% of exports of sunflower oil? World food prices have jumped over 20% from a year ago, according to the United Nations. Russia also produces 25 to 30% of global palladium supply. That's used in car manufacturing, but shipments have been disrupted worsening an already worsening supply shortage. Palladium's price is up 80% this year. And while the cost of commodities is rising, the value of stocks is falling. Big style. The Dow lost nearly 800 points, two and four tenths of a percent. The S&P 500 dropped 128 points, that's about 3%. The Nasdaq fell 482 points, three and six tenths of a percent today. So joining us live to discuss the markets, Ukraine, and everything in between is our man on the money, RIA Advisors Chief Strategist Lance Roberts, managing over a billion dollars in assets. Lance, as always, great to see you. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Lance, in your assessment, why are commodity prices rising so much? Are people panic buying or is there speculation in the market? Well, two things. First of all, it's you know, prices in oil and commodities in, in general are always about supply and demand. And of course, with what's happening in Ukraine and Russia, the sanctions that are being put on Russia, uh, there's concern. Uh, there's not necessarily a crimp in supply just yet, but there's a concern that there's going to be a supply shortage relative to the demand that we have, and that's causing futures traders to run up the price of these commodities. And so these things are really getting extended. There's the thing called backwardation in oil, which is when the front month contract, the one month contract, the price of oil right now is much higher than the price of oil in December or 12 months from now, that spike is at the largest record on ever. And, and that's just a function that things are a little bit out of control right now. Hmm. What will it take for things to settle down? Do we need some good news on the Ukrainian front for it to happen? Yeah, absolutely. That's all we need. If, if we get uh, some news that you know, Russia and, and Ukraine can come to some sort of agreement. There's some, uh, you know, some calming of what's happening with the invasion. And more importantly, the reversal of these sanctions that allows Russia to start selling oil back on the open market, that'll bring down prices rather rapidly. Um, right now, Biden is thinking about talking to Maduro in Venezuela to try to get oil from him uh, to replace the oil that we're not getting from Russia. But a better idea would just be to open up the Keystone Pipeline in the U.S. and get U.S. back to drilling. We were exporting oil two years ago. We're now back to importing oil because of cuts to production. How about stocks, Lance? Are you expecting mm -hmm. them to fall as long as this thing continues in the Ukraine? 
Well, yeah, it's all about uncertainty. Well, we got two things that are going on importantly here. We have raging inflation. Uh, if you take a look at CPI, we're going to at 7.9% already. That's going to be higher now because of oil prices. The Federal Reserve is now in a very tight box. They need to start hiking interest rates to combat inflation, but that tightens monetary policy. But guess what also tightens monetary policy? High oil prices and high food prices. That extracts liquidity from the markets. So the real risk here and what markets are trying to figure out is are we going to be in a recession by the end of 2022 because of what's happening with high oil prices and the impact on consumers? How are you changing your portfolios to, to manage all this, as you said, uncertainty? Uh, two things we've been doing lately, of course, is adding more uh, you know, bonds to our portfolio, which typically act as a hedge. We saw bonds perform very well during the invasion. Uh, they tend to be a risk-off asset. Um, we're also just simply reducing exposure to equities, uh, raising cash in our portfolios, just reducing overall exposure uh, to risk assets, which are equities. And there'll be a time to buy these things again. But, you know, one thing we kind of do is just kind of wait for all the trouble to settle out. And then we'll put capital back to work. And, and this is kind of the important thing about making money over time is that we don't have to be in the markets all the time. We just need to have the ability to buy into the markets once the bad news passes. And I think we've got a while to go just yet. Last question, Lance. When you say bonds, you're talking Treasury bonds, U.S. Treasury bonds. Are you surprised? given the CPIs at 7%, what the Treasury 10 years just yielding 1.7% or something. No, that's that's what you would expect to have happen here. Again, if you take a look at the U.S. dollar, what's happening in particular, the U.S. dollar is rising strongly. And this is because foreign countries are hiding their money in the U.S. dollar. So the way they do that is to buy U.S. Treasury. So that's helping keeping a lid on, on, on yields on 10-year Treasury bonds even though inflation's a lot higher. But more importantly, what bonds are telling you is very likely is that economic growth is gonna to slow to somewhere below 2% by the end of this year. And that's really what bonds are telling you, particularly in the treasury. A lot for you to watch, Lance, I don't envy you. Thanks so much, we appreciate Thanks. it, Till next time. My pleasure, thank you. American Express, MasterCard and Visa, all pulling out of Russia. This means credit cards issued by Russian banks that use these companies' payment systems will stop working outside of the country. So what are the implications? Anthony's Don Ma has more. The immediate question is how much of an impact will the pullout have on Russia? Um, more symbolic than a practical impact would be my, my best guess at this point, but we shall see. Bart Kohler, chief revenue officer at Paynuity, doesn't think the move will have a significant impact on Russian citizens either. The fact that the citizens within Russia will still be able to utilize their cards, um, not going to have a significant impact um, within the country itself on the citizens. Uh, consumers will still be able to make those purchases. After the pullout, the Russian Central Bank announced some banks may start to issue cards using China's union pay. Though that's not anything new. Uh, China has been operating about 20% of the Russian foreign transfers. They will circumvent the systems of Visa and MasterCard and find these alternative methods, uh, some in part with what they already use being 
now will currently raise the amount of activity that Russia performs with their payment systems through the Union Pay system. Union Pay is a Chinese card system that allows users to make payments and cash withdrawals internationally. Their cards are accepted in 180 countries. Don Ma, NTD News. Russia's currency, the Russian ruble, is tanking. It's lost nearly half its value against the dollar since the start of the year. So now some are concerned Russia will start to use cryptocurrency to avoid more economic pain and sanctions. Anthony Sean Marshall takes a look. With Western sanctions dealing blows to the Russian ruble, many think cryptocurrency could be a safe haven for Russians looking to avoid economic destruction. Last week, Senator Elizabeth Warren and three other Democratic lawmakers expressed concerns that crypto wallets and dark web marketplaces could enable sanctioned individuals to hide their assets from public view. Now, these sanctions are powerful, but Russia can dodge some of this pain by using the same cryptocurrency tools that are currently used by drug traffickers, cyber criminals, and tax cheats. Biden administration officials have said they do not believe Russia would be able to use cryptocurrency to completely evade sanctions. Crypto expert Kent Barton also has a similar view. There simply is not enough uh, liquidity in the crypto market to allow Russia to really escape sanctions on a, on a big, uh, a large scale. Um, you know, the, the collective market cap of crypto is less than $2, billion, or $2 trillion, uh, which on a nation state level is, isn't a ton of liquidity there. Uh, Although crypto might not be the best way for Russia to avoid sanctions, crypto is helping Ukraine raise money. As Ukraine looks more into cryptocurrencies and NFTs to assist in its war efforts, the landscape of the industry could take new shapes. Also, new changes could emerge as Western countries look for ways to regulate the crypto industry to prevent Russia from avoiding sanctions. Sean Marshall, NTD News, New York. Nonetheless, Russia's international isolation is growing. The United States and the European Union have suspended it from a coordination group within the WTO, or World Trade Organization. Western allies say they feel it's no longer appropriate for Russia to remain part of the WTO's developed countries coordination group. They call Russia's military action in Ukraine a, quote, egregious violation of international law and fundamental principles of international peace and security. The suspension means Russian nominees will not be considered when the group decides on appointments to chair the WTO bodies. Now, many big Western firms are exiting Russia, like we talked about Visa, MasterCard, American Express. And big accounting firms like KPMG, PricewaterhouseCoopers, as well as streaming service Netflix. But not all companies are joining the exodus. Stores there that are run by Japan's Uniqlo are set to stay open. The company says clothing is a basic necessity, but the decision could face backlash from investors and politicians. McDonald's and PepsiCo also say they'll continue to operate in Russia. That prompted New York State Pension Fund, a major investor in the bank, to urge a rethink. France's Total Energies is also another to swim against the tide. It stopped providing capital for new projects, but isn't pulling out altogether. That contrasts with rival oil giants like BP and Exxon, which have announced they are pulling out. And as Russia continues its attacks in Ukraine, Americans can be at risk here, too. That's because of the risk of Russian cyber attacks. 
NTD's Arian Pastor has more on that from New York City. New York politicians are calling on citizens to step up their cybersecurity amid an increased risk of attacks from Russia. They say Russia is ramping up cyber attacks on Ukraine, and those attacks might not be limited to just Ukraine. Following the sanctions that the U.S. and our allies have levied on Russia, there's an increased risk that Russia will carry out retaliatory cyber attacks, particularly against New York State infrastructure and individuals. The senator says that 85% of New York City's infrastructure is privately owned. She says those businesses are doing a good job in working on cybersecurity together with the government. That is not happening in the rest of the country in many, many places. And so cyber protection is up to you personally. It's up to you as a CEO of a business to personally put in the best cyber protection you can do. So how do you protect yourself from cyber attacks? You can think of these as the three S's of cyber safety. First, secure your accounts. That means making sure you have strong passwords, different passwords, different ones for each account, from your bank account to your Instagram. And turn on two-factor authentication. Second, software updates. Make sure you download the latest updates on your phone, computers, laptops, apps, and programs as soon as they're released. They're often they often contain critical security updates and upgrades to protect you from new threats. And third, stay vigilant. Most cyber attackers aren't going to break into your accounts. They're going to try to trick you into you letting them. Sometimes hackers try to scare and threaten people in order to get their information. The senator said it's important to just ignore them. Arian Pastar, NTD News, New York. In business news today, shares of Bed Bath & Beyond skyrocketing over 70% at the opening bell after billionaire Ryan Cohen's investment firm took a large stake in the company. Upon almost 10%, then sent a letter to Bed Bath & Beyond's board. The letter, Cohen outlined steps he thinks the struggling company should take to turn the business around. He recommended Bed Bath & Beyond should sell all or part of its business. Company shares closed up 34% today. At the same time, department store chain Cole said it expects to increase sales by a low single-digit percentage annually. Plans to open 100 new small front stores over the next four years. Cole also plans to expand its partnership with beauty retailer Sephora. Beginning last fall, the department store chain started replacing all of its cosmetic areas at Kohl's with Sephora-branded shops. Kohl's executive said that 25% of Sephora customers are new. And those shoppers are picking up other items across the aisles. The company also said it continues to acquire millions of new customers with its partnership with Amazon that allows shoppers to return Amazon orders at its stores. Investors, though, don't seem to be too impressed. Kohl's shares were down 13% today. Ouch. Now we're going to take a quick break, but still to come, stick with us. The weekend box office, we look at the estimates for the top five films, including a new superhero movie. And a rare Toyota sells for millions, making it the most valuable Japanese car ever sold at auction. So why is it so special? That and more coming up on NTD Business.
Welcome back. The happiest place on earth, the Disneyland Paris Resort kicked off celebrations of its 30th anniversary in Chessy, about 24 miles east of Paris. Performers depicting Disney's iconic characters danced in front of the park's Sleeping Beauty Castle. Originally dubbed the Euro Disney Resort, it first opened on April 12, 1992. Ongoing celebrations are meant to last until the anniversary date is reached. Celebrations also unveil various new shows featuring recent Disney characters. It's also a light show every night with drones forming the 30th anniversary logo in the sky. Disneyland Paris is Europe's biggest amusement park. It attracted 15 million visitors every year before the pandemic. And a new superhero movie debuted in theaters this weekend, as expected. It dominated the box office. Here's a look at the early estimates for the top five weekend films. Death on the Nile floated down to fifth place, earning $2.7 million. Spider-Man No Way Home made $4.4 million for fourth place and a domestic total of $786 million. Dog trotted into third place with $6 million. There are places out there you can't find on any map. Uncharted lost the top spot, but crossed the $100 million mark in domestic box office with an $11 million weekend. We're pretty good at that. Nothing came close to The Batman, which racked up $128.5 million, easily the best debut of the year, and second only to Spider-Man No Way Home for the best opening since the pandemic began. And a rare Toyota sold for $2.5 million at a car auction Friday. That makes the 1967 Toyota Shelby 2000 GT the most valuable Japanese car ever sold at auction. A large part of the value comes from the fact it was turned into a competitive race car by legendary automotive designer Carroll Shelby. Only 351 units were built between 1967 and 1971. One was even featured in a James Bond film, You Only Live Twice. But this one is the rarest of the rare and is considered the first truly world-class Japanese sports car. Back in France, the Palace of Versailles has recently discovered some masterpieces that it lost track of for 40 years. Two exceptional white marble statues built by orders of two French kings showcase the era's high level of craftsmanship. Anthony's France correspondent David Vives has more. Once upon a time, the god of northwest wind, Sifir, was walking through the sky. As he appeared, he fell in love with the goddess of youth, Flora. Their union bore the spring. Curator Lionel Alsac says this masterpiece is a showcase for French art during the 18th century. You see the moment when Zephyr arrives, perched on a cloud. The goddess of flowers has this hand gesture to show her surprise, whilst also a bit scared at the same time. Her eyes are penetrated by love, tenderness, sweetness. The little angel points his finger to them, saying, they fell in love because of me. And now, spring will come with all its blessings. This statue is a piece ordered by Louis XIV, which was one of the last wishes of the aging king around the end of the 18th century. King Louis XIV funded many artists, painters, sculptors and craftsmen to decorate the Palace of Versailles. They had to follow very strict standards in their work and the king himself would supervise the theme and the characters that were depicted. Versailles might deserve to be called the largest outdoor museum. 
Over 800 sculptures made of bronze, marble or leather decorate these alleys. Arsac says the making of the cipher Flora and Love marks a very special moment in the life of Louis XIV. Sometimes we refer to Louis XIV's end of reign as an austere moment that the king spent in devotion. This is true, but the art of that moment shows this was not austere but very light, with themes marked by mythology, love, and sometimes linked to childhood. As for some paintings that decorate the walls and the ceiling of the palace, such as the Hall of Mirrors, the characters depicted are gods and heavenly beings. These were to help the king in the wars he led, to bring him glory, and provide blessings and benefits to the kingdom. This too was the role of this statue, the Abundance, which was created to celebrate the end of a war. It stands for peacefulness under the reign of Louis XV. You see the goddess of abundance landing on the ground, coming from up above. You see the wind blowing through her clothes and hair. She appears to men to bring blessings on the earth, grapes, wheat, jewels. This grouping of statues might have been lost forever. The Cipher and the Abundance left the castle in 8081 after being purchased by the Rothschild family. But the statues were stolen after World War II. It took more than a year of investigation for Alsac to find them. He searched in all newspapers and archives until he found the pieces in the Angola Embassy after paying a visit there. I recognized the two statues. We wrote a letter to the ambassador for his government to see if we could have them back. Angola immediately accepted. They have been extremely generous. After the exhibition, the two statues will be placed within the Grand Trianon. They'll join the other groups of statues and stand where they belong. David Duves, NTD News, Paris. As the latest business updates for today, can still catch NTD Evening News with Stephanie Cox at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. For NTD Business, it's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.